Just as we begin to emerge from 2020's tidal wave of perpetual pandemic panic, experts warn about a potential second wave of coronavirus. However, you may not have to restock on the extra toilet paper, alcohol, and video games just yet. Thankfully, a resurgence isn't totally inevitable or out of our control. As public health experts keep telling us, there is a cheap but powerful tool in our arsenal to stop this dreaded boomerang effect in its tracks. Face masks. While mask advocates call for universal adoption of face masks, science confirms that if only half the population covered up, the second wave of COVID-19 could be entirely prevented. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story is about the research showing face masks can dramatically curb COVID-19 cases if at least 50% of people wear them. While masks aren't a catch-all, experts stress they're one of the most effective practical tools to beat back COVID-19, especially in resource-strapped areas of the world. Our second story looks at how to further get this mask message across— through a series of interconnected pro-mask initiatives that stretch from the United States to the Czech Republic, viral movements are looking to change mask policies around the world, and some are succeeding. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, what the latest research says about a preventable second wave of COVID-19 by way of face masks. Are you recording? Yeah. Stay healthy. Louder. Stay healthy. Louder. Stay healthy. Science is officially screaming it at us. Face masks are a proven way to help stay healthy and prevent the spread of COVID-19. What you just heard was from a New England Journal of Medicine study released in April 2020. It documented the difference a mask can make when it comes to droplet spread. Basically, when someone yelled, Stay healthy. The team, through video, visually showed the spread of speech-generated oral fluid droplets with a laser light scattering experiment. Basically, that means you saw germs take the form of digital green dots that would scatter on the screen. When a person yelled, Stay healthy. Without a mask, We saw many digital green droplets generated and scattered on screen like a visual cough. When a person yelled, Stay healthy! With a face mask. Nothing. Jumping on this is a June 2020 study published in the Journal of Proceedings of the Royal Society A. It says routine face mask use by 50% or more of the population effectively flattened the disease curve, reducing the spread to a reproductive number that is less than 1.0. Reminding us that masks aren't a cure-all, the team stresses that they are still one of the most effective, practical tools to beat back COVID-19. It says widespread face mask use by the public, combined with social distancing and some lockdown, may offer an acceptable way of managing the pandemic, not to mention reopening economic activity long before there is a working vaccine. As usual, the science speaks for itself. The hardest part? Getting some people to embrace the science. I work for Costco and I'm asking this member to put on a mask. And I'm not doing it because I woke up in a free country. I have a doctor's note where I don't have to wear one. It is a scamdemic. It is a pandemic. It is a pandemic. 
Here to talk more with us about this is Inverse's Ali Patillo. Welcome back, Ali. Hey, Tanya. So here we have this evidence that says, hey, there's something to this. If, if at least half of us do this, we can be in better waters here. So in terms of determining this, first and foremost, how did this team figure out what level of mask usage is needed, how to contain the spread? What factors go into seeing how effective this is? Yeah, so it's important to note that we don't have any randomized controlled trials of masks yet, which is kind of considered the gold standard in clinical research. But what we do have is a really large growing body of evidence um, that while masks aren't perfect, they are effective um, at reducing the transmission of COVID-19. And in this particular study, this team modeled, I mean, a vast array of different scenarios projecting um, how face mask use affects transmission. And they also factored in social distancing and lockdown measures. They factored in how effective a certain face mask would be. So whether someone was wearing a medical grade mask or they were wearing a homemade mask or store-bought mask, they factored in a whole range of factors, including potentially negative aspects of mask use that have been speculated, such as that wearing a mask might make you touch your face more. Um, So they mapped out all these different scenarios and into these very comprehensive mathematical models, and they found some really striking results. Um, which are that if just half the population wore masks, we could keep the pandemic under relative control until there is an effective vaccine or treatment. If 100% of people wore masks and there were some kind of levels of intermittent lockdowns or social distancing, we could prevent future disease resurgence for 18 months. And that time could be really crucial while we wait um, for that vaccine or that treatment. The what jumped out at me, the figure that jumped out at me, because what seems to be key here is, you know, if if 50 percent of us wear masks, we can keep the reproduction number under one point zero. Remind us why that's so important. The reproduction number in this scenario is the number of individuals infected by the introduction of a single infectious individual into an otherwise susceptible population. So the reproductive number helps us capture and estimate how quickly a virus will spread. And if the reproductive number is below one, COVID-19 infection is theorized to slow and actually die out. Um, What this research suggests is that masks are an effective way to keep that reproductive number low enough to manage COVID-19 and get through this pandemic. And, you know, for all the more complicated ways we've combated COVID-19, you know, there's contact tracing apps, there's various testing methods. This is such an easy tool at our disposal. It seems like the hardest part is just to get people to actually wear these masks. Does this team address, you know, how to better encourage more widespread adoption? Yeah, I think one of the most difficult aspects of the entire COVID-19 pandemic are the tremendous levels of unknowns. You know, at the beginning, when this virus emerged, we simply had very little idea of even what it was. We still have a limited idea of how to treat it. We didn't know how to protect ourselves. And what's happening now is that masks are emerging as one of the cheapest, most effective kind of practical solutions. And the researchers conclude, based on these findings, that there should be immediate universal adoption of face masks by the entire public until there's a vaccine or effective treatment available. Um, So kind of 
this controversy that's been around for the past couple of months. Should we wear them? Should we not? At this point, what these scientists are saying is that that controversy isn't founded in the data. You know, we have data to support um, widespread use. And what we know is that in places where masks are compulsory, people tend to wear them. Um, And of course, that varies, you know, country and community wide. But when people are encouraged to wear them and they're they're made, um, maybe they're required to go into a restaurant or into a grocery store, um, people tend to comply. And of course, as the pandemic wears on, people might get tired of wearing them and think that they aren't needed. So that's something that needs to be factored in as well. Right. Because that was part of it. The the guidance was, you know, it just it, it was kind of confusing. So now that we have something that's a little bit more um, graspable, you know, in terms of evidence, is there then a path where this is turned into some kind of action by, you know, policymakers? There, like we've talked about, there seems to be such limited amount of countries recommending face coverings. And I just wonder, how do we put this into motion into some kind of action? Yeah, so it it depends because, again, it the, the guidance so far has been somewhat confusing. And I think that because public health authorities have been slow and, and hesitant to say, everybody needs to wear masks, people then think, oh, well, they must not work that well. But now we've kind of gotten to the point where the CDC is encouraging more mask use. The World Health Organization is encouraging more mask use. And it's really going to come down to each community and country deciding what's right for them. But what we have seen is in places where there is high or even universal mask use, there have been a lot of reduced COVID-19 cases. So I think that we are moving towards a world where masks are a part of our daily lives, they're part of our routines, um, and they're just kind of part of this so-called new normal that everyone starts, that everyone's talking about. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how and if this plays out. Listeners can head to Inverse.com for more on the story. In the meantime, Allie, thanks as always. Thanks, Tanya. As masks continue to polarize America, successful social media initiatives are proving to sway the public as well as policymakers. Up now, inside the global viral movement that claims it's changing our minds on wearing masks. useful are face masks during the corona crisis? Experts can't really agree on this. Different countries give different advice when it comes to masks. Singapore has moved to make it mandatory for people to wear masks. Meantime, New York City has joined Los Angeles advising residents to cover their faces. Some even want you to make your own. What would people gain from wearing a mask and why are you opposed to wearing one yourself? I just don't want to wear one myself. It's a recommendation. They recommend it. In the wake of the coronavirus shutting down large swaths of the country and planet, the messaging on masks evolved thanks to a committed group of public health activists. In the early days of the virus's spread across the U.S., a pro-life mask movement has mobilized over social media. Some say the success partly stems from the power of a symbol, which you probably have already seen by now. It's basically a line chart with two significant edits made to it. 
This line chart shows the trajectories of COVID-19 by country in terms of confirmed cases. So each country is represented by a line that starts at zero in the bottom left-hand corner. Then the lines gradually move from left to right, many at 45 degree angles, representing the spread of the virus across a country. So many countries have sharp upward trends of the COVID-19 cases, but a few like South Korea, Japan, Singapore, and Hong Kong in particular have these very long, gradual upward trends that result in fewer confirmed COVID-19 cases by whole orders of magnitude. That's when compared to hotspots like Italy, the U.S., and Spain. The country lines with sharp increases have a large red circle around them and in large type the word no masks. Then, the few countries represented by those gradual slow increases in cases have a thick blue circle around them with the caption, masks. And rarely does data tell such a powerful story. And then you see with the crystal clear message how the picture can spread across multiple platforms. So everyone scrolling through their social media are basically stopped in their tracks and a pro-mask movement was born. Soon, it reached Jeremy Howard. He's co-founder of a pro-mask campaign known by the hashtag masks for all. That's masks, the number four all. Here he explains what he feels is the powerful truth behind what's become the graph's message. All of the research I've seen points to any kind of mask as being helpful to significantly stopping transmission. After really digging into the data and the virology and the science of this, um, I am pretty convinced that um, everybody wearing masks could be a key or probably is a key part of the solution to stopping the lockdown eventually and um, reducing the spread. The Masks for All movement eventually went viral enough that it took credit for sparking the CDC's interest in changing masks policy overall. In April 2020, the CDC reversed course on the use of masks and endorsed the use of cloth face coverings in public settings where it's difficult to maintain social distancing. So here we are with growing encouragement to mask up and with more time on our hands to YouTube how to make mask videos. That's another cottage industry in the making, but perhaps for another podcast. But how did we get here? And do we have a mask movement that went viral to thank? Let's get more from Inverse staff writer Emma Bitwell. Hey, Emma, how's it going? I'm good. How are you, Tanya? Good, good. So this was um, a really interesting look at how something can go viral and how it evolves to do that. And in this particular case, some could say that what sparked this entire viral mask movement is this one particular graphic that, you know, it just visually clicked for so many. Can you tell us the story of how this all happened and and how this caught wind and, and took on and took on a life of its own? Yeah, the graphic has a really interesting origin story. So if you went on Twitter, you probably would have seen this Financial Times graph showing the uh, sort of spread of coronavirus cases in a number of different countries. Somebody had gone into that graph and circled all of the Asian countries and circled all of the Western countries and labeled the ones with the lower levels of spread masks and the ones with the higher levels of spread no masks. And that's not a perfect piece of biostatistics at all. There are lots of reasons that some countries are controlling the spread of the virus better than others are, but it ended up being a really compelling visual tool. And it wasn't even actually made by a scientist. It was made by um, a man named Joseph Perla, who is an author and has worked at Lyft in the past. And he made this graphic 
and he's the admin of a Facebook group called Curve Crushers, a bunch of uh, like-minded people who've read the research on masks and think that that is really a effective way to control the virus. And now we know that to be true. And he started tweeting that graphic out at these sort of influencers on Twitter, one of whom was Jeremy Howard, uh, the who runs a social media movement called Masks for All. Um, so he was making sure that graphic got in front of people with a big reach. And he also was buying Twitter ads to make sure that people in, quote, centers of power, um, which is what he told me, were seeing this graphic. And he can't remember or didn't tell me how much he spent on these ads, but said that they generated between one, two, or three million impressions. So it was sort of this perfect storm where a lot of people were seeing this really compelling graphic, a lot of people were starting to hear more about masks, um, and it has just sort of built from there. So in action, we see here the power of an image, right? And there's this idea that a visual calling card can really turbocharge whatever message you're trying to convey. The one right here we saw just very quickly catch fire. It's the power of a symbol. Why is that so crucial to going viral? How is it proving to be? Yeah, so I actually reached out to an outside expert to talk a little bit about why some sort of movements on social media tend to be so powerful. And I should add that the mask movement is extremely influential in other countries too. So in Czechoslovakia, there's a similar movement headed by a man named Peter Ludwig, who was uh, Howard's co-founder for Masks for All. And in Czechoslovakia, the prime minister is has retweeted videos made by Ludwig. The Czech Minister for Health appears at the end of one of the Masks for All videos. So this is a really serious movement abroad. The question is, why is that graph specifically so sticky? It's the kind of thing that you can see in a YouTube video or on Twitter or on Facebook. And it's also just a very obvious piece of imagery. You sort of think about other online social movements. If you think about the Ice Bucket Challenge from 2014, that was a movement with a really clear set of imagery. It was someone getting ice dumped on them. Um, but as soon as you saw it, you knew what it stood for. And that movement raised millions of do dollars for ALS. It's sort of a similar thing happening here. It's sort of like a visual calling card that can live in lots of different places and immediately conveys its message. Right. So then there's clearly the power of visuals at play, but to go viral in, in such a way that this mask movement has, there's more that needs to be in place. So in reporting this, what did you find those key ingredients are with, the, you know, something that makes a successful social media campaign go viral like this? Yeah, I think one of the things that my expert spoke to is it just has to have this ability to reach beyond the people who immediately started the campaign. So that graphic certainly appeals to people who don't necessarily speak the same language. Um, Perla told me that he had people retweeting it in French and Spanish. Um, you know, in the Philippines, it went viral. So there are people who in it's instantly understandable no matter where you're from. From there, uh, my expert also says that a movement really has to get massive outside media attention. And that's also kind of what happened with the mask movement is that Jeremy Howard, the leader of the U.S.-based pro-mask movement, wrote op-ed in the Washington Post that went to number one on Apple News. And this was just a week before the CDC changed their guidance. So the mask movement really had all three of those ingredients and it sort of was able to expand its reach in that way. And that's something that they're still working on. Um, the leader of the German mask movement the, uh, told me that they were on track to launch a bunch of different websites in Spanish, French, English, Arabic, Farsi, and Hindi. Um, and their goal was to reach 2.5 billion people within the week after the story was published. 
So I guess that's where you go after viral. Uh, Really interesting look at how this took off um, from beginning to end. So, Emma, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Tanya. Head to Inverse.com to read more about the latest details about the prevention of COVID-19, masks or otherwise. You can click on the link in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. You can find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at Inverse.com. Look for the Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.